right, everybody. Hey, good morning. Thank you guys for being here. My name's Clayton, pastor here at Central. Uh, it's great to have you guys here with us. Man, I know it's fall break. Our family got in late, late last night from our trip, and so I know many families are gone, so thank you guys for being here. Uh, I know a lot of families watching online today, so thanks for, for tuning in as well. If you want to follow along with today's message, just use the QR code uh, right up there on the screen and with your phone, and you can follow along uh, with the notes for today. Well, we are right in the middle, week three of our study, our sermon series on dumb things that Christians say. And, you know, honestly, there are some things that, that we say that maybe we don't even realize uh, but they, they end up hurting people and hurting people that are far from the Lord. Last week we talked about, and we, we said, we talked about the things that we say sometimes, like God says you shouldn't do that. And we say that to people who, who don't know the Bible, they don't know God, and they don't know Jesus, and they don't know uh, the, the, the freedom that they can have in Jesus. And so we tell them things that they shouldn't do uh, based off of the Bible that they haven't even read, they don't even believe in. And we talked about how that can be harmful to people. Well, today... I need to start off by, by, by giving you a, a, a little bit of a warning. You know, sometimes we read on the back of products uh, warning labels. And these warning labels are there for a reason. And we look at them and we think they're kind of weird because sometimes they, they say some really dumb things. They say some dumb things because evidently someone had done that before. And so they'd used the product incorrectly or the wrong way. And so they had to put those warning labels on there to help them. For example, here's some things up on the screen, like a stroller. This is real. On the back of some strollers, it says remove child before folding. Okay. That's just great advice for life. That's just some good advice. So evidently someone had done that. Here's another one. Oh, those old iPods on, on the, the fine print, it says, do not eat this. Like do not eat this iPod shuffle, which sounds kind of silly. Evidently someone did that as well. Or if you get a letter opener, if you look at the fine print, it'll say warning, safety goggles are recommended when you use this product. And so I don't know if anybody's ever used safety goggles when opening a letter, but it's recommended uh, by the manufacturer. Here's another one, hair dryers. Say do, do not use while sleeping, okay? Don't use it while sleeping. I don't know if anybody's tried to do that, saving some time or getting a little bit of extra sleep by just turning on and going back to sleep, waiting for the, the, the alarm to go back off. Don't do that. Bad idea, fire, okay? That's all I can say. Here's another one. I think this one's kind of crazy. On some wheelbarrows, it says, not intended for highway use, okay? So, so I don't know if you guys have ever thought about using a wheelbarrow for transportation on the highway, but don't do it. It's not recommended. And this one's pretty crazy. On a pack of firewood, it says... Caution, risk of fire. Well, duh, obviously, that's why I bought it. I bought it for fire, okay? So it says, hey, risk of fire, just to let you know. Here's another one. I don't know if anybody has ever done this to their kid. Hey, kids, y'all just go play in the dishwasher. It'd be great, okay? So it says, do not, do not uh, let kids play in the dishwasher. That sounds kind of silly. This is the best one, all right? This next one. Thermometer. Once used rectally, the thermometer should not be used orally. Just good <laughs> word of advice. I mean, we, we can just end the sermon right there, and we can pray, and let, let's go on about our day, okay? That's great advice um, for, for life. Here's another good one. On power drills, if you look carefully, it says, this product is not intended for use as a dental drill. I mean, I don't know if you're like, hey, honey, 
you know, that dentist is expensive. I don't want to go to the dentist, so just get the power drill out. We'll just take care of this right here. I don't, I don't recommend that at all, unless maybe you're a dentist or something. I got a buddy who's a dentist. He would say, don't do that at all. But evidently, those things are on products. Why? Because people have used products incorrectly in a way that, that even has ha- caused harm to them or to someone else. And in life, sometimes we do that, the same thing with God's word. God's word is called a sword. Um, and, and specifically, God says that, that his word is the sword of the spirit. Hebrews 4.12 says that the, the word of God is sharper, in fact, than a double-edged sword. And back then, swords were the big weapon of choice. It was what, um, what everybody used. It was the best weapon that, that the Bible could use to describe itself, that it is powerful and strong. And so we have to be very careful in how we wield the sword. Because if you wield a sword incorrectly, you can not only harm someone else, but you can harm yourself as well. You know... We do that sometimes. And it's kind of, it's kind of maybe dangerous, not for just people, but for, for us. When we don't accurately take God's word and we, we don't faithfully read it. And what we do is we take it and we just kind of skim through it and we, we find verses that we, we like or um, the verses we don't like, we, we skim over those. And, and so, what can happen is, is we can create a situation that might be harmful to people and harmful to ourselves. So here's kind of what it, what it looks like. Sometimes we, we take the Bible and we say, God, I need you to speak to me today. Like, God, speak to me. Speak to me. So I'm going to open up the Bible. Let's go to the beginning. And I'm just going to close my eyes. And I'm going to thumb through it. And I'm just going to, boom. I'm going to open up right here to, to this, this verse. Let's see. This this first verse is Exodus, okay, Exodus 23, 19 says, bring the, the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the, the Lord. That sounds great. But then it goes on and says, do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. It's not a very good life verse, is it? You know, I mean, no one wants to have that as their life verse. Do not cook a young goat in his mother's milk. I don't like that. I don't like that verse. Okay, so God, God, speak to me. Speak to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn over here to, okay, uh, Leviticus 24, 16 says, anyone who blasphemes the, the Lord is to be put to death. I don't, I don't like that one either, okay? That's, that's talking about death. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip over. I'm going to flip over to, okay, here, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28, verse 27 says, the Lord... Okay, awesome. This is talking about God, okay? The Lord will afflict you with boils of Egypt um, and with tumors and with uh, festering sores and the itch. Okay? From which you cannot be cured. I don't like that either. Okay, okay, let's forget about the Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament, okay? Let's just go to the New Testament. Okay, I'm going to flip right here and, okay, right here. All right. So Galatians 5.12, okay, this is... From Paul. So Paul, man, man of God, he's got he's to have a good word for us. He says, as for those agitators, um, I wish that they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. If you don't know what emasculate means, just ask the person next to you, okay? All right. That's a bad verse too. That's, that's kind of crazy. Now that's silly. That, that's, those are silly verses that sometimes we, we read those and without knowing what's going on around them, we're like, it's kind of hard to understand what these verses are, but, but that's an example of what we do. Sometimes we do that. We, we hear a verse, 
we see a verse, and, and sometimes we, we take it and we kind of twist it and we, we, we use it incorrectly. And we take it and we try to, try to manipulate it to meet our needs or the things that, that are going on in our life. And we try to make it seem like it's talking directly to us to make us feel better about ourselves. And we, so we go searching. We, we open up the Bible, we, we go and we look at stuff online, and we, we find, we, we search maybe the back of the Bible, and we go and find these verses. We find it, we read it, we memorize it, we quote it, and we put it on T-shirts. And we take these verses and we put them on T-shirts, but often these verses don't really mean what you think it means or what you want it to mean. If you were to look up the most misquoted Bible verses online, Almost everywhere, all the lists say that the top of the list is Jeremiah 29, 11. I don't know about you, but I love that verse, and it may be your favorite verse. But oftentimes we misquote it. Look at, look at what it says, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That is an awesome verse. It is full of hope saying that God is, is on my side. I mean, that's a great verse. I love that verse. It's a, it's a verse that we can, we can hold on to and give us hope in the middle of difficulties in life. But I wonder if, that, if, if our inaccurate quoting of this verse and reciting of this verse might just be harming other people. Which brings me today to our dumb things that Christians say. Well, it's not really something we say, but it's maybe something we do. It's this, when we willfully or ignorantly misquote God's word. Have you ever done that? Sometimes we, we do that. We, we know that it really doesn't say that, but it, it sounds good at the time. And so we, we, we quote it. We tell, tell it to people. Or maybe we ignorantly, we, we don't really know what it means, but we may have heard someone else say it or it sounds good at the time. And so, so we use this verse to try to help someone. And in fact, it might just be harming them. It might be harmful because we're telling people of a promise that the Bible never promises. We're telling them about a God who, who is, says he's going to do this one thing, but God actually never really promised that he was going to do that. And so what happens is it leaves people who are far from God, leaves them hurt and confused. Because when God doesn't show up the way that you promised that God was going to show up for them, then they're like, well, what is this Bible all about? What is this church all about? What is this God y'all are talking about all about? Because you said this was going to happen for me, and it didn't turn out the way that you said it was going to. So this morning, we need to understand a couple of things. We need to understand how to read God's word accurately. Because when we read it accurately, it helps us to live biblically and faithfully. And so there's two things, two truths for today that I wanted to, to, to jump out there and say. And the first one is this. You cannot live a life rooted in Scripture when you read it the wrong way. Think about it that way. You cannot live a life rooted in scripture when you read the Bible incorrectly. If you wanna be rooted in scripture, if you wanna know God's word, if you wanna you want know him, if you want to be um, full of the spirit, if you want to, to live life to its fullest the way God intended you to live life, you can't do that when you are, are using script, scripture incorrectly and you are, you're not interpreting it and rooting it the right way. That's personal. That, that's personal for us. We've got to know God's word accurately. But there's also something else that has to do with other people. Here's the second truth. If you misinterpret God's word, you will misrepresent him to the world. Think about that. If you misinterpret God's word, if you take this and say, you know what, here's what it actually says, and you don't really know, 
You tell people this is what God's word says, and you, don't really, you have no idea what it's really talking about. What happens is you can misrepresent him, God. You can misrepresent him and his word to the world. So you see how this plays out. Here's what I want to do. I want to take Jeremiah 29, 11. This is our verse for today. Now we could pick a lot of verses, okay? I even have my uh, Philippians 413, 4.13 bracelet around here, okay? Which is a, another one we misrepresent all the time. But let's take this. Let's take this verse and let's look at it and see if we can look at it the right way in, in a biblical way, in the correct way. So here's what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So what happens is, is a lot of times we take this verse and we look at it, especially when we're in a difficult situation. When there's a difficult season in life and we say, you know what, God is going to make this all better. And if we will trust him enough, he will make uh, this all um, go away. He will, he will fix all of our problems and all of our, all of our issues. And you know, if we just trust him even more, you know what's going to happen? Not only that, but he's going to make us prosper. I love that word, right? He's going to make us prosper. He's going to give us everything that we want. He's going to give us um, all of our dreams, all of our desires. He's going to make us wealthy and healthy and all of those kind of things. If we'll just trust him enough. And honestly, when you look at it, it kind of makes it sound like that that's what it's saying. I mean, look, look at it again. It says, for I know the plans. So God has plans for me, okay? He's, he's got an idea about my future. So he's got, he's got plans for me. And what are those plans? The plans are to, to prosper me. And that's, that's awesome. I'd love for God to just make me and my future prosper. That, that's great. That, that sounds awesome. And plans not to harm me. Okay, so awesome. God's not going to allow anything bad to happen to me, right? Because that, that's what the Bible says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And even more than that, to, to give you hope and a, a future. And that's awesome. And so what we do is we, we, we get coffee mugs. We go to Cracker Barrel and we buy the, the Jeremiah 2911. I was there last week and I saw it right there, okay? We, we, buy, the, we buy the coffee mug and, and we, we remember that and we put it on bracelets and we put it on t-shirts and we, we get uh, plaques and we put it on the wall in our living room or in our kitchen and we say that verse. We're like, man, that is God's verse for me. But I see a big problem. Here's a problem. How do you know God? How do you know him? Anybody? Can you seek him? Through his word, right? How do you know God? You got to read the Bible. Well, think about it. If we didn't have the Bible, I mean, we wouldn't know God at all. So, so if we want to know God, we got to read the Bible. But what happens when you read it incorrectly? Do you see the danger there? When you read God's word incorrectly, here's what happens. You begin to believe false things about God. And you make him out to be someone he's not. If you take that to the extreme, what happens is, is when you read God's word incorrectly, you begin to worship a false God. Because you're not worshiping the God of the Bible, you're worshiping the God who you want him to be. That's a real danger. So to understand God's word, especially verses like this, Jeremiah 29, 11, we got to read it in its context because context is key. Or another way, another way of saying that is this, in order to understand what is going on inside the verse, you have to take a look at what is going on around it. To know what the Bible is actually saying, know what that actual verse is saying, we got to know what's going on around it. Here's, here's a great example. Okay, let's pretend like you've never been to Central before, okay? Never been here you live in a foreign country, whatever, okay? And so I send you just a, a picture 
of Central, like, like this one, okay? You look at it and you go, okay, what is this church about? What, are, what do you first kind of think about? Well, I look at it and I see that um, whoever designed this church um, got some OCD issues, okay? And so it's like perfectly symmetrical. Have you noticed that? And I was, I'm standing right in the middle right now, okay? Um, so it's perfectly symmetrical. But you look at it, okay, there's, a, there's like a creek over here on this side and there's a pond over there. You know what? I've, I think that's like a country church, you know? Probably out in the middle of nowhere. There's probably some good hunting, deer hunting area around there. I like to hunt um, around the church. Maybe just hunt from the back of the church. I don't know. Okay, so, so it looks like there's a, a, a lot of, of land. Um, it looks, that's what central looks like. But if I zoomed out just a little bit, what would we find out? We'd find out that, no, we're actually in the middle of, of Owasso. We're in the middle of the city. If you look at it, there's neighborhoods around. There's, there's parks. There's the big highway. There's Walmart, Sam's Academy. Oh, there's Hobby Lobby around there. Obviously, you're a Christian community. Got to have a Hobby Lobby, okay? So Hobby Lobby's there. And you realize, okay, wait. So we're not in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we're in a, we're in a city. In a city, I don't know, several tens of thousands of people but it's not like a huge city. I mean, it's just kind of a city all by itself. But if I were to zoom out a little bit more, what do, what do you find out? You find out that you're in the, the Tulsa area. And there's over a million people in this, probably in this picture right here. And you realize, okay, Owasso is just kind of attached to Tulsa. And Central is right in the middle of Owasso. And so we're actually a different kind of church than a church, like a little country church that's out in the middle of nowhere. And if I were to zoom out even further and look at the entire world, we'd see kind of a different picture of what Central looks like and where we are. Now, if you know all of that about Central and you go back to that first picture, what do you, what do you see? You don't see a little church out in the middle of nowhere, do you? You see it differently. That's the same thing with God's word. When you take a verse like Jeremiah 29, 11, you can't just look at it about itself. You got to look at what's going on, you know, right around it, like the, the paragraph around it, uh, maybe the, the chapter around it. What's the story? What's going on um, in this situation? What is the entire book of Jeremiah talking about? In, in fact, what is the entire Bible talking about? Because when we look at this, we say, you know what? Okay, this verse, okay, God has a, maybe I think God has a, a future for me that is prosperous. That's what I think this verse is saying. And so you can have this theology, that that's this, this prosperity theology, that God has this special plan for me to make me prosperous. And that's what you can take with, if you just look at this verse. But does that, is that what the Bible actually says? Is that what's really going on in this passage? Well, you know what we can do? We can look at other parts of the Bible. Because the Bible never contradicts itself, guys. So if you think that there's parts of Scripture that contradict itself, it doesn't. Every, the, the Bible is, is perfect. It is God's word. He's a perfect God. And so everything he does and everything he says is perfect. He's put God's word together for us to know him. And it is absolutely perfect and flawless. And so when you look at things, say, well, there's maybe some contradictions. The, the reality is you maybe need to dig a little bit deeper. And so we need to look at some other parts of scripture to see if that's what the Bible is actually saying. Because you know what? If you look at what Jesus says, it seems a little different. Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Here's what he says. Blessed are you when people, what? hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. That doesn't sound like it lines up with this prosperous, awesome, do not harm me kind of future. He also says in Matthew 16, verse 24, he said this to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Like both those verses, those don't seem like they line up with what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. So the question is, where are we off? 
what we need to do is we just got to dig a little deeper. We got to get into this, this whole passage of Jeremiah. So that's actually what I would like to do. I want to, to look at this, this whole passage because the, the whole passage is the context. The context of what's going on in Jeremiah chapter 29, especially in verse 11. To understand that, we got to look around. We got to explore what's going on um, around this, this verse. And so maybe we can say it this way that we need to explore the environment of the adverse. Think of it this way we need to explore the environment of what's going on around it. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to look at it real quick. So this story, Jeremiah, the whole book, is, is Jeremiah being the mouthpiece of God. God calls Jeremiah and says, hey, I want you to speak on my behalf to my people. Now, at the time, his people, God's people, were living in the land, okay, in, in the, the nation of Israel, okay, the, the promised land, but they weren't following after God. They started going back to their old ways, the old ways of when they were in Egypt and doing things that they were doing. They were, they were um, not worshiping God and they were worshiping false gods. It got so bad that the Bible says in Jeremiah that they were actually killing their own kids and sacrificing them to these false gods. I mean, that's bad. So God, he's knocks on the door. Hey, something's wrong. Y'all are off. He goes to Jeremiah and says, Jeremiah, here's what I want you to do. I want you, I want you to speak to the people. So Jeremiah goes to them and is like, hey, guys, you got to stop. God says, things are going to go really bad for you if you don't stop. But they don't stop. So God allows the Babylonians, okay, this pagan culture to come in and they just wipe, wipe them out. They kill multitudes of Jewish people. They take majority of them captive. They actually left a little, little remnant of, of people in Jerusalem, which was actually destroyed as well, but they left them there. And the majority of people, they, they take them, they, they bound them, they put them in chains, and they make them walk all the way to Babylon as slaves, as captives. And I was wondering, you know, if I was that person, if I was one of those people that have gone with them all the way to, to, to Babylon in captivity, I would kind of be ticked off a little bit, you know? I mean, why couldn't I stay in Jerusalem like some of these other people did? Why, why did I get chosen to, to, to go and be in bondage and be in slavery for the rest of my life? Why did I um, get, get that, that short straw, right? I mean, why did that happen to me? And why did my entire family get wiped out? Why did everything, all my possessions, everything that I'd owned, everything that I was hoping for, this future that I had, why is it all being taken away from me? That's what was going on in Jeremiah. And in chapter 29, God writes a letter to these people in exile. He says, hey guys, don't worry. I got a plan. I got a future for you. And right before verse 11, God says something to the people in verse 10. It's, it's, a, it's a, a message that's both, both, both good and bad. Here's what it says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for, for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So say, hey, that's kind of good. It's like God says, hey, I'm going to fulfill my promise to you. I'm going to bring you back. But guess what? You got to wait 70 years. That stinks, okay? That's, that's a great, that's one, th one side is really good. One side, it's really bad. Like, okay, I've, God's going to fulfill his promise, but it's going to take 70 years for this to happen. I'm like, look, I'm almost 40 years old. I don't think I'm going to make 70 years. So what does this mean for me? I mean, come on, God. What are they supposed to do? In the middle of that 70 years, what are they supposed to do? We'll look back at verses four through six. Here's what the Bible says. 
This is what God says. The God of Israel says to all those that carried in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, do this. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. What, what God is saying right here, he's saying like while you are in your situation, you may not like it. While you're in the neighborhood you're in, while you're in the school that you're in, while you're in the relationships you're in, while you're in the job that you're in, while you're hoping for something better for your life, while you're in the middle of this, I mean, think about it. These guys were in captivity, okay? They're slaves. While they're in the middle of that, here's what he tells them to do. He says, he tells them this, thrive. Dig deep roots. Don't give up. Keep going. He tells them to plant and eat. Well, what does that mean? You gotta, it means you gotta, you gotta plant seeds and stay. You can't just plant seeds and say, you know what, I'm out. This is too difficult. I'm going to do, try something else. He says, no, I want you to stay where you're at. Even in the middle of that difficult circumstance, I want you to stay where you're at and wait for the harvest. Wait. Build houses. Have kids. Increase in number. What he's telling them is that in the middle of their valley, which was, that it was, it was what was going on in their life. It was, a, it was a valley. It was tough. In the middle of their circumstance, he told them to thrive. That's what God is telling his people around here. He's saying, hey, in the middle of your difficulty, thrive. Don't give up. Don't quit. Stop feeling sorry for yourselves. Whatever situation and circumstance you find yourself, stop moping around and trust in me. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't give up. Trust in me. I've got a plan for, while you're, why, for the reason you're going through everything that you're going through. But he doesn't end there. He says something in verse 7. Look at verse 7. Here's what he says. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so God says, hey, not only are you supposed to you know, thrive personally and as a family, as a Jewish people, but you know what? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for and pursue the well-being of the place that you're at. Here's what this means. God just told these people who had... Their families had been killed, okay? They're put in chains. They're, they had to travel hundreds of, of miles on foot. Many of them probably died on the way. They're put into captivity. They're in an entirely new culture that they have no idea what the language is. They don't know the customs. They have all these false gods. I mean, they're in this situation that they, they hate. They've lost everything in life. And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for and pursue the well-being of the people who put you there. That's a tough message. That's not a life verse message, okay? That's not a message that you want to, to put on a coffee mug and drink and sip your coffee in the morning. That's not something that we want to, to remember that, that God is telling us to do. And the same thing, that's what he's telling us to do. Here's, here's kind of another way of putting, putting it for us. Here's what God is telling them and he's telling us as well, that this is not our home. This isn't our home, but it's our calling. The situation you find yourself in might be difficult, but you know what? This is what God has called you to do. And as Christians, I mean, this is a great metaphor for, for kind of the Christian life, right? That the Bible specifically says that this is not our home. Like here on earth, this is not our home. We are citizens of heaven if we belong to Christ. And, and we, but we're kind of like exiles, just like these Jewish people are. 
that we are exiles in a foreign land. And Jesus tells us, he says, you know your enemies, those who are against you, those who are persecuting you, those who are taking the American culture and, and driving it away from the Christian values, all those, those people that you don't like, you know what you need to do? You're supposed to love them. And you're supposed to pray for them. The Bible says, you know what, you're supposed to pursue the best for them. That's what it means to live in exile, but trusting God and pursuing the things that he's called you to pursue. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. But why? Why should we do that? Why should we, in the middle of our difficult circumstance, why should we try to thrive and dig deep roots, and why should we pray for people who have hurt us in situations that that are difficult? Why should we stay in the middle of those? Why should we do that? Well, that's how we get to verse 11, right? We finally get to verse 11 because it's God promising a future, a future of deliverance. Here's what it says, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. We just talked about all the bad stuff. I know the situation you find yourself in, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And he says what? Plans to prosper you. Now this word prosper, it's actually the Hebrew word shalom. And what do we know shalom means? Peace. It's probably a better translation than, than the word prosper. God's saying, I'm going to give you peace. It's not today, but someday I will give you peace. And here's what God is doing. God does this all the time. He promises a future so we will not be overcome by the present. That's what God does. He does it all the time throughout his word. He does that for, for many of his people in the Old Testament. He does that for his disciples in the New Testament. He does that for us. He says, you know what? It's going to be okay. I've got a better plan. I've got, I've, got a, I've got this future for you, so it's going to be okay. And you know what? I think there's even a bigger message in the middle of this because God is not really telling them to trust in his plans for them. Even though those future plans God has for us are awesome and great, okay? He's saying, no, you don't really need to be trusting in in those plans, you need to trust in me. Don't just trust in the, the plans that I have for you. You need to trust in me. Because here's, here's a secret that I find in Jeremiah 29, 11, That the secret to life is not to know the plans, but to know the person. Right. Not to know the plans of God, but to actually know him. So if you feel abandoned by God, if you feel like life has thrown you some curveballs and you don't find yourself in the situation that you're in, he's writing to you and saying, you know what? It's gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. Don't trust my plans, trust me. Trust in me. How do I know that? Well, look, what God's, look what God said back in chapter nine. Here's what he says. This is what the Lord says. He says, let not the wise boast in the wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of the riches, okay? Don't do that. Don't boast in those things, but let the one who boasts about, any, about this, uh, boast about this, that they have the understanding to what? To know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. What does he say right there? He says, you know what? If you're gonna boast about anything, boast about me. Boast about knowing me. And here's what we do. We take Jeremiah 29, 11, and we say, you know what, for, for, for I know the plans. And we're talking about the plans. And, and that's what we think about Jeremiah. It's all about the plans of God. And we, we memorize this verse. It becomes a life verse for us. But this verse isn't really talking about the plans. 
We gravitate towards the plan. But you know what? The plans are not the main subject of the verse. You know what the, the main subject of the verse is? Look at it. The Bible says, for I know the plans. I. The main subject is not the plans. The main subject is God. It's him. This verse is not talking about God's plans. It's talking about his character. It's talking about who he is. This verse should not, not cause us to run towards the plans that God has for us. It should cause us to run towards him. Right? It's all about him. That's what this passage is all about. So here's what we need to do. We got to be careful. This is just one example. I mean, Jeremiah 29, 11, we, we all know this verse, but it's a good example for us to examine. What does this verse actually mean? I think it's a good lesson for all of us, even for myself, that we don't just throw verses out there without really knowing what they mean. We have to be careful. We got to be careful not to just plaster them on a coffee mug or on a t-shirt or on our wall or put them on our arm like a, like a, with a tattoo and walk around saying what we think it means. We need to dig deep into God's word. We need to understand the context. We need to be faithful to reading the Bible. We gotta do that. Not just for ourselves, but for a lost world who is looking for hope. Because here's what happens, it's beautiful. When you really dig deep into God's word and you study it, then you can say these verses. You say, you know what? One of my favorite verses, you say this to a lost person, you know my favorite, favorite verses? Jeremiah 29, 11. Well, what does it say? Well, here's what it says. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plan, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome. You know what that really means? It's not that everything's gonna be perfect in life because as a Christian, it's gonna be difficult. God never says that we are gonna have an easy life. You know what he does promise us? Promises us himself. And see, and you say, you know what, that's the reason I love that verse, because it's all about God and what he did for us, and what he did for me, and what he did for you. And ultimately, it can all be pointed back to Jesus, can it? You know what, there's, there's a God that loves you so much, he has plans for you, and his plan for you is that you would know Jesus, you would know Christ. That's what this is all about. Here's what, here's what we gotta do. As Christians, let's just be careful. We're going to get a tattoo, go for it. I don't care, right? <laughs> Whatever. All right, get a tattoo. You're going to put a verse on, on your arm, but, but know what it means. And be faithful to the text. Study it so we can point people to the real Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for teaching us what it means to really, truly know your word. And it takes a lifetime. We know there's so much. But God, you put every single verse, you put every single word in scripture in the exact place you wanted it to be because you have a plan and a purpose for those things. So God, help us to be faithful to, to know it. Help us to be faithful to, to speak it. And God, we, we just ask um, for your forgiveness when we haven't done that. When we've been incorrect um, in our, our speaking of, of your word. Help us, God. Help us to know what your word means and help us to faithfully be able to share it with a lost world. We're your church and we should know you. And the way we know you is, is through knowing uh, the Bible. So God, help us to, to blow the dust off of, of scripture. And we haven't opened it in a long time and we're just holding on to these little verses. 
Help us to truly understand what your word means so that we can grow in our relationship with you and so that ultimately we can point people to you. Help us, God, to be more faithful than what we're doing right now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.